good people. It's Reg. It's Stone. And right now, after a major, major merchant acquisition, Reg and Stone is going to go to some new rebranding. We're going to have something called Reg and Stone Plus Blue. You know, for only a small <laughs> monthly fee, you can be a power user on the soon-to-be-coming Registone forums, where there you'll have high priority, you know, you get only, you'll get half to ask like the rest of the plebs, you know. You can go out there and, you know, just post, talk shit, and, you know, give us, you know, free money, because, you know, all these mergers and acquisitions cost cash, you know what I'm saying? Holler at us, you know what I'm saying? We're on, we're on the must yacht, you know what I'm saying? Drinking muscats. What? Bars. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Look, you know, Elon, like, you know, let, let's e, go to business e. together. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, like you know, just throw, like, an extra billion. <laughs> you spent $40 billion on Twitter. Just, just an extra billion. That's that's all. That's all. You know. It, it's like, just, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, if, if you're going to burn your money away, you know, by uh, actively... But basically buying something that hasn't really made money and trying to actually make it worse just to own the libs, I got to give it to you. I feel owned. I, 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 I feel owned. You know, yeah. Like, I... <laughs> it's it's going to be... I'm, now Now I have to go to TikTok, you know? So what, what, a, terrible, what a terrible time, you know? Uh, How to, we got, oh, you know, oh, oh. The, the Chinese. You the Chinese, to, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, 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 uh, after how to dance and shit, the little line dances. Uh, you, you know, I yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, not, y'all, because the one thing I'm not doing is paying twenty bucks. <laughs> uh, no, hell to the nah. Um. Anyway, y'all. I, so look, we 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 laugh and joke, and you know, we definitely want to start this podcast out on a a jovial note, just because unfortunately, you know, we have another rapper death, um, and. You know, this is a big one. Um, you know, R.I.P. to take off um, one third of the Migos, uh, who was, you know, as of this recording, um, he was fatally shot and killed um, this morning out in Houston, Texas. Um, it's still it's still kind of crazy to, to, to even like say those words, you know. Yeah, no. It's, it's, and the thing is, you know, any kind of death is 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 kind of you know it, it hits us all and you know we've seen from pnb rock to dmx and everything else but i i think what kind of what kind of makes this kind of a little different is the fact of where i don't think it's a leap to say that as far as like hip-hop music now me ghost is probably the most influential rap group like standing and i and i think also the odd thing is that and somebody kind of pointed it out he was 28 so it was just yeah. like, you know, we're going on almost, because Versace came out 2013, where, you know, almost 10 years of these dudes putting out records, you know, being some of the most popular hip-hop artists of the world, you know, doing all these crazy things. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's they're not a legacy act. They're not a young, upcoming, you know, act. They're dudes who are well within their career and had a very long life ahead of them. You know what I'm saying? These are the dudes where if anybody would have bet money that, they would have had a career, you know, and and career like Nas, or end career like Gucci Mane, or end career like Jay Z, where you know they just kind of settled, you know, comfortably into rap elder mode. It's it's not something that anybody would have expected to end this way, and I think that that's what kind of hit us the hardest. And and the idea is also at least people kind of saying is that, you know, Takeoff was the one who was basically very music focused. You know, Quavo was the one out, you know, you know, doing street stuff. He was the one who was like, I want to be a rap artist. He's the one who basically kind of put the group together. He was kind of like the musical brains behind Amigos. Like, he was the rock. He's somebody where, and even shocking is, you know, usually people will like be like, yo, he was funny. He was this. Everybody across the board was like, he was such a nice, low-key dude. And yeah. that's kind of also the idea of where he's somebody where you have the idea that under normal circumstances, he wouldn't have been there. But and here we are. And it's like, you know, to a certain extent, it kind of shows you that you know, there's always this, like, idea of where being in hip-hop is a dangerous kind of thing, but, you know, like, at this level, you know, like, your Nicki Minaj's, your this, your that, you figure you can't really kind of get touched. And I think about it, because, like, fucking, you had Megan. Megan, when she was doing Saturday Night Live, I think a week ago, you know, she, her house got broken into. And it kind of, you know, we're in a weird space of where, you know, it's, 
I think the death hits us more when it's fucking, you know, a celebrity, somebody we grew up with. You know, for a lot of people, Mikos was the soundtrack of their college career. But it's also the, you know, just a general death. It's just like, it just feels like it's coming in different weird corners or weird ways. There's no real rhyme or reason for it. It's truly just senseless. And, you know, and it kind of sucks that, you know, somebody like that, somebody who was doing big things for the culture. They were calling the album for the cult, the culture albums for a reason. Like, they kind of brought Atlanta on the map and they were very important. And like I said, they were young dudes. And it kind of sucks to have, like, another podcast start off for R.I.P. So, yeah, you know, R.I.P., rest in power. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it was really crazy this morning. You know, I woke up. I I, I couldn't kind of sleep. And I went on Reddit, and I was on the Hip Hop Heads subreddit. And, you know, somebody posted, you know, Takeoff has, has passed away and posted, like, a bunch of, you know, tweets from people in Houston, you know, people in the rap community in Houston kind of saying, like, this happened. And, you know, the first the first reaction for everybody, including me, was like, I don't believe this, you know. Yeah. Like, like, like this is, you know, this is fake, you know, fake news. Um, you know, and unfortunately, somebody said, wait till TMZ posts it, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's just like it's it's like one of those things where it's just like you you wake up and you just kind of see this and you kind of see people being like, I don't know, like it was like a weird collective morning of people, um, you know, at at like five in the morning, where we're just kind of like looking and we're just like, oh, this this is actually real, and like you know, kind of somebody said like, oh, this is like, almost like the you know when Kobe died, we wanted to like think that wasn't real, we want to think that's fake news fake news pervades our culture but like the more and more evidence kind of came up and it was like really interesting too just kind of you know people saying like no this person if this person in houston says that this happened it's real you know and kind of having that happen uh, almost in real time which is kind of scary when you think about it as well uh, it was just kind of a crazy way to wake up and start the day um and I know we'll talk about the album, but it's like, you know, I've been listening to, um, you know, Only Built for Infinity, Infinity Links because um, I've been taking some long road trips upstate. And, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of crazy to also, like, have that bookended with the album as well and kind of have that, you know, like, like these are young dudes. Like, they, they still had a whole career ahead of them. Um, and you know, to listen to the album and then like wake up the next day and be like, Oh, this person's dead. It's always a crazy experience. Um, and you know, like I, I know sometimes we talk shit about Migos, but, but, but you're right. Like they, they were very impactful for the culture. Um, they, they really made their mark, uh, in, in hip hop, um, not just on a musical sense, but on a style and fashion sense as well. Um, you know, I understand like there's still two surviving members, but this is just like crazy to kind of think of. Um, and unfortunately it's becoming more and more commonplace in this day and age to, to kind of wake up to this news, you know, and it's kind of crazy as a hip hop fan to kind of have to experience this yet again. Yep. And then, and then like for me, what's kind of shocking is the idea of an, Again, you know, we'll, we'll shoot shots at Migos because, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, they're pretty funny dudes in general. But, like, you know, the one thing I always loved about them was the fact of where, you know, they were very uncom- uncompromising. So it's the idea of where I know they did, like, a, a, a soundtrack here and there. But, like, if you really listen to Bad and Bougie, that's not a song that should go number one. Like, that's, like, you know, yes, My Bitch is Bad and Bougie is probably the only part of it that's, like, pop. Everything else is just street-level, like, like like fucking just street talk type shit. And what I found fascinating with like Migos, it felt like it was a, a, a tipping point of a wave where not to say like a Dr. Dre is in streets, not to say like a Jay-Z is in street, but it was probably, you know, that going number one was the first time I was like, oh shit, this is a very uncompromising rap song that's literally not supposed to go further than like a strip club or a car in a bar. And now it's like a number one song. And I, I think with Migos, with their big impact is the fact of where, you know, nothing they're doing is relatively, you know, they're, they're doing trap music of a slower BPM. The triplet folds aren't really Drake, like fucking, you know, melodic things happening. Like at the end of the day, it's very street corner rap. 
but done Atlanta style. And then they were just, you know, selling boatloads of records. And I think that, you know, if the idea is that, you know, we want to have the culture kind of go out there and be worldwide and be respected. But what's cool about Mikos is that they were doing it on their terms. It's like, you know, here's a group that's not like doing songs with like fucking, you know, like Katy Perry per se. It's just like, hey, going out there, the guys Beethoven, local Atlanta producers, they're going in there. You know, there's, you know, the, I'm going to say they never had a, a, a sing song hook. But they were the kind of group where you wouldn't expect to see like Rihanna show up <laughs> singing like an yeah. outro. It was just like the three of them barred up street shit. And like I, like I said, I've always respected that. You know what I'm saying? And I felt like they kind of gave a path to like, let's say, not necessarily true, but like a Cardi B. You know, they give a pass to Megan Thee Stallion. Whereas, hey, here's un- uncut shit from the strip club or the street straight to the top of the pops. And I kind of always respected that about them. And like I said, it just sucks because 28... You know, who knows what that next era would have been? Who knows what it would have been doing as a duo? Who knows where, like, you know, inevitably if they kind of came back together, would have been done. Like, they had a lot left, like, like a lot of life left to them. And it kind of sucks that, you know, career-wise and on a personal level, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if he had any kids, but I'm assuming that, you know, he had family, he had friends. You know, whenever you have a rapper dude up front... I like I don't want to put it into like dehumanizing terms, but effectively they're like a company. You know, what I'm saying they're a business. You know, there's people that get paid off what they do. There's people that they support. There's houses they support. You know, those entourage dudes are probably dudes off jail. You know, they're probably giving their men's man's fucking money to like you know organize this or organize that. You know, it's it's almost like a little mini community on one of your own, and it kind of sucks that for that to kind of get taken away. And like I said, at the end of the day, you know, we don't know a lot of rumors going out, but whatever it is it was bullshit you know what i'm saying it wasn't it wasn't anything that was worth it you know in this case it looks like it was his hothead not to say that beef is worthless but this just looked really like an arbitrary act of violence where to be honest with you any could happen to any of us and, and that's what kind of sucks so it's like you know rest in peace rest in power but you know ideally i, I just wanted to kind of stop yeah no definitely i mean you know it's like it, it's it's it, uh super crazy like all, all of the hip-hop artists we've lost um to, you know to gun violence um but to also you know health issues as well it, it's a very you know it's like it's like somebody mentioned like oh this might be the, one of the most dangerous professions in america and that like stuck with me because like even like low level you know we like soundcloud rappers are getting ganked Right. Yeah. For, for their shit. You know, like people that we, you or I like might not even hear of are like they're, you know, like, like they're getting shot, killed. So, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. But I also had a conversation today, too, where it's just kind of like this is our expectation of hip hop. Right. It's like you live dangerously. You live on the streets and for the streets. Right. Like we don't want our rappers to be accountants. <laughs> yeah. We don't want them to like live in the suburbs. <laughs> but that's what makes this tragic. You know? Cause it's at the end of the day, he's somebody where, and all right, I don't want to kind of get too deep into the sociopolitical aspect of it, but I understand like a young drill rapper. I understand like a young down South rapper. I understand like a young West coast rapper. Because ideally, growing up in a system where it kind of teaches you, you know, it teaches you to be the worst of what you could possibly be because it gives you no opportunities to get out of it, right? So I kind of get the idea of where, bam, big bang, boom, you're rapping on the side, suddenly, you know, like let's say on some Ice Spice shit, you've got this song that goes viral, right? Boom, it's, it's flying out, right? So now you've got a rap career, a viable one. But again, you're dealing with an industry where, you know, it's not like you're instantly rich. It's not like you instantly paid for. It's not like what you were doing, you know, yesterday, you suddenly can't stop doing immediately. You know, there's certain ties there. So you've got an issue of where you're going up a certain way. You don't necessarily know any better or the system pushes you in that direction. And on the idea of where, you know, you might have, you might not, you don't have the maturity. You know, you might not realize that, hey, you know, being that loyal to the people who were there when you were coming up it might not be the best for you to be directly doing that shit. Maybe you could help them out different ways. Maybe you have to move away. Maybe you have to like not be there on the street corner when they're selling bricks. And it's the idea of where, you know, and it sucks because it's kind of set up that way. I think what really bothers me here 
similar to PNB Rock, where it's like you're like away from that. You know, you have PNB Rock chilling in Roscoe's, having fucking like eating with his girl. Bam! Look, look what happens. You have fucking you know Pop Smoke. What is he doing? Far away from New York and like street shit, just in L.A. chilling in a mansion. Look what happens. You've got these dudes. These dudes show up. They're hanging out with Jay Prince, who's basically the king of the city. Apparently, they were there partying. I think it was his birthday. Birthday-related expenses. They're on this trip. They're in a bowling alley. Like this is not this is not some weird corner. It's a bowling alley. You know, it's a nice little cute little bowling alley. They're there hanging out. And look what happens. And it's like the idea of where it's just like fuck. You know, there's never a space where you're safe. And also the idea of where, you know, at, at that level you should be. And that's the thing that kind of terrifies me is the fact of where it's like, fuck. And it's like, you know, I, you know, but maybe again, Registone Bloop check. We might all be billionaires. But it's the idea of where, you know, I am not a wealthy person. I'm just a regular black dude. So is a regular black dude. There's a lot of people like that. And it's like, look, you've got dudes, like you said, on the low level, SoundCloud rappers scraping up two pennies, just hoping for the stream to go up. And you've got dudes where they have private jets, and it's the same fucking thing. It fucking sucks. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, um, yeah, let's move on. Uh, what can we do to lighten up the mood? Madonna. Madonna. Madonna's a funny, <laughs> funny person. <laughs> I, I'm always a fan of Madonna. Um, I don't know. This is you, Stone. Do you take it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, and I think what happened was again hip hop. <laughs> Head subreddit. <laughs> um, somebody posted, "Yo, do you know that Big Daddy Kane was in the you know had like this these naked photos with Madonna and Naomi Campbell, right? Because these kids weren't around when Madonna's sex book dropped, you know. So they're like, oh snap, oh this is crazy. Madonna had a book and she's like buck naked." <laughs> Um, now granted, I've actually never seen that book. Like I, like I, you know, I remember when it dropped and it was like a huge deal, but I've never seen it because it's like, they only printed like a thousand copies or something like that. Here's the thing. I I saw it, but it's like, at like a, like, and this is going to be, I'm going to have to dig deep into the, 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 the memory. It was like a bookstore or some shit, but like years and years and years ago. Where I remember flipping through it and I remember seeing shit but not putting it together. Like at that time, I think, you know, it's just like, it's a weird, freaky book. So I didn't think I was able to put two and two together, basically, what was happening. But yeah, no, I, I've, you're right. It's, it, it's a rarity. It's, 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 a, it's for the pornographer connoisseur. I, I know. And I'm like, yeah. It's the Pappy Van Winkle of porn. You know what I'm saying? You know. <laughs> like growing up in, in the 90s in Alabama, we were not seeing that shit. You were in New York at least. At least you had access. But it was still fine <laughs> pornography. I was not able to afford such as pleasures. <laughs> uh, so anyway. I was out there. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, based on that post, I think, like, you know, people, I would say millennials, younger people were kind of like, oh, the sec, you know, like, this is kind of crazy. Like, they're the pop star who has this book. And, you know, I, I would say this, like, Madonna is a trailblazer and a pioneer. Like, you've not seen another pop star. Maybe Kim Kardashian is probably the closest to kind of, like, bear all and, like, you know, own that sexuality in a way. Like, I, I just don't see that happening, like, even in 2022, right? Madonna agrees, right? She's like, I, I was a trailblazer. I, I created this book. I, like, you know, did, you know... I did this thing in the, in an era where, you know, it was still very restrictive from for for women, like you know things like that, right? The problem is <laughs> in the statement where she's like, "I'm a trailblazer." Yes, I did this. Yes, I did something like that was like super creative and groundbreaking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She had to take down <laughs> Kim Kardashian, Cardi B. <laughs> And and, uh, Molly Cyrus, basically like, I did this so y'all can twerk on stage. And it's like another kind of like, Madonna's like a weird, she's like a 60-something-year-old white woman, and she just kind of doesn't read the room. (laughs) It's kind of like a (laughs) read-the-room type of situation, 
you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My my thing is all right. So Madonna set a tone for a pop stardom which wasn't seen before. That said, she had precursors. You could make the idea of a pop star kind of reinventing themselves. That was really happening in Rock with David Bowie. You could make the idea of being sexual in music. Honestly, while she was definitely a trailblazer as far as that's concerned, and, you know, being controversial, you had things like, you know, jazz music, which is literally the idea of jazz was it was a slang for having sex. You had early rock and roll, which is very, very, very risque. You know, but that said, I don't want to take away from what she built and what she kind of trailblazed, but let's be honest. Did she trailblaze it for all Americans or just white suburban Americans? Well, I mean, she, but she's saying that she trailblazed for Cardi B. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's the idea of where, <laughs> you know, a Cardi B is a little Kim, is a real Roxanne, is like, you know, it's a it's, Millie it's Jackson. A Millie Jackson is like a, a sister Roberta Thorpe. Thorpe. It's it's like you kind of go backwards in time and there's a lineage there. And I kind of get her point where, you know, in the pop stage and making controversy and making records and shocking, you know, middle, middle mainstream, middle white America. I kind of get it. Give her flowers. But like I said, a problem was kind of bringing up these POC artists, these POC artists who definitely, you know, struggled and did certain things. And I'm going to be an asshole and say that it's hard for me to see like where she laid the groundwork for Cardi B, you know, not because, you know, and and I, and I think that kind of distinctly kind of realizes like a, the devalues what Cardi B has done and other hip hop stars. I think it devalues what Megan has done other hip hop stars. I mean, not to be funny, if she fucking made that fucking lane, then why the fuck were they talking shit about them on Fox News? You know what I'm saying? Ideally, you know, the, the idea here is the fact of where definitely she's a trailblazer in many ways. Definitely she kind of shifted the pop paradigm. But to kind of claim it over the hard work of black women now and in the past, unfair. And, you know, I don't know. Like I said, it, it seemed to be relatively good natured. Eventually Cardi B kind of like said, we're good. We had a phone call off offline, yada, yada, yada. You know, I'm all up for her getting the flowers. It's just that idea of where... You know, it's a little, it's a little tenuous. You know, you've got Madonna here, who again, proper's to her, has joints, immaculate collection, still goes hard. I remember I was driving around and I was like, yo, and they put this bitch on, and now it's like, holy shit, Madonna out here with the hits after hits after hits. I mean, Unf- do bed- bedtime stories. Yeah, produced by Babyface, <laughs> the blackest Madonna album. <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, I think that, and, you know, props to Madonna overall, but I was very white woman of her. And I, and I think that's the issue. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, and it's like a weird thing too, cause I, I, I think, you know, but Madonna is, you know, like, 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 you know, she's having a little bit of a revival, but like, she's never going to be Madonna. Yes. Right. Like, like, like. There's never going to be like, and and it is what it is, right? Like, there's not going. I don't think there's going to be a pop star, like Lady Gaga. I think was probably like the last quote unquote like pop star that transcended like the worldwide, et cetera, et cetera. I just don't think like we're in that culture anymore. Like, I you know, and I think like Madonna, uh, you know, in addition to like Nicki Minaj, were kind of like, hey, like, you know, I, I, I like you're my children, <laughs> basically, and there's probably a little bit of like, you know, you know, like like get your flowers, but there's also some insecurity there as well, where it's just kind of like, you know, you're never going to get to the heights that you were like, you know, ten, twenty, thirty years ago. Um, and you're seeing these people kind of like being able to like twerk on stage, and I think you feel some type of way. Ooh, very good you know? call, actually. Yeah. Um, but having that said, you gotta read the room. Like, like, like Madonna. Like Madonna is still trying to twerk at sixty something years old. <laughs> Again, I'm not mad. Like, like do your thing. Just know that it's not going to make that same impact <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> Like if you're twerking in like 1990, my my God, like you know, call the cops. (laughs) 
but in 2022, you're just like another person twerking on TikTok. Basically. Yeah, yeah, you know? no. Like I said, I don't want to. I don't take away from everything she's done. She definitely has a right to like ask for flowers. It's just like you said. It's just like you read the room. At the end of the day, it's just like you know those are separate things. And like I said, I love your point about the idea of where I kind of get the idea of where you feel like, hey, that should be me on stage, or I set that tone X Y Z. But at the same time, it's like I said, it's, it's definitely a different lane. You know, if you know, I kind of get her calling out Miley Cyrus just because you've got somebody else who's also a pop chameleon who's playing with sexuality and X Y Z. But like you know, like I said, I, if I talk about lineage of Cardi B and how to break it down. I don't think Madonna will pop in my head. You know, yeah. making these stallions, same exact thing. You know, it's it's yeah. It, yeah. The, 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 that there's a lot of other music that was happening around that time when you were doing it, even before your time in the seventies and sixties and fifties. They kind of laid that groundwork. So you know, I understand. But uh, you wrong, boo. That said, you know what I'm saying? Like Isla Bonita, what? Mm. The fake Spanglish song of all time. One of my faves. All right, and then the next going to go into is. Steve Lacey. Speaking of TikTok. We're both fans. Steve Lacey, as we all know, guitarist of the internet. Uh, also a songwriter. Helped the Vampire Weekend. A lot of other acts. Really good guitarist. Really good songwriter. Very smart individual. You know, I've seen some things with him where he talks about his creative process. Very wide open. You know, and out of nowhere, has a number one song. So what do you do as a number one song? You've been out here writing these songs, you've been in a band, you're doing all this shit. Obviously, you're like, I got this song. Let's get that bag, baby. So you get that tour. You should call up your promoters, get a little band together, you know what I'm saying? Get that little Econo Line van, hit the road, make that money. But here's the problem. You're a fucking artist. Artiste, guitarist, songwriter. Show up on that stage, you hear the roar. Roar's going nuts. And there's a whole bunch of teenage motherfuckers demanding you play that one goddamn song. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Get the fuck off the stage after that's done. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of crazy. And I, and I feel bad for Steve Lacey. Like, you know, look, number one song in the country. I'm really happy for the dude. I mean, this is a dude who was recording. He recorded his first album on, on his iPhone. And I just remember, like, people like, be like, yo, it's so revolutionary. Oh, my God. Like, you're, like, democratizing, blah, blah, blah. And he's literally just like, that's all I could afford. <laughs> <laughs> Was to record my iPhone, <laughs> you know. Um, and now, you know, has the number one song in the country. And, and I think there's a confluence of, like, a few things that happened. Like, they booked a lot of small venues for his tour. You know, because not thinking, you know, like Steve Lacey, you and I and people in Brooklyn probably know Steve Lacey in L.A. But like, you know, it's not like he's not going to like headline like, you know, Terminal 5, like, you know, a 5,000 person venue. Right. So he booked small venues. Then like his song blows up on TikTok. All these TikTokers buy the tickets and then like, you know, pay over asking for tickets like the, the the OG fans who are there when you record with the iPhone are like priced out, right? And then you have these guys, these TikTokers, who all all they're doing is recording on their phones, and they're waiting for that one moment, that that fifteen seconds of hook, because <laughs> they don't know the rest of the song. <laughs> That's so sad, but so true. <laughs> That's all and they know is the hook. It's 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 so it's it's crazy, and 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 it sucks, right? It's like it's like a weird thing for Steve Lacey because like you're at the top of the world right now, you know. But like you're, it's like a house of cards, <laughs> you know. Like it's not built on, and maybe you know, maybe you can't convert these fans to like you know these people who like like the 15 seconds. Maybe you can't convert them to like true fans but it's not built on like you know sustainable fandom it's built on like these people like the 15 seconds they play it like apparently in a loop because they don't know the second half of the song and like that gets you number one they also want to see you live but they they really only want to see that 15 seconds so um the first few shows he was very frustrated 
there's like this one thing where like somebody like threw a disposable camera on stage to say like hey take a picture and he like destroyed the camera <laughs> you know like it, I don't know, I'm like the his first few shows were very like you could tell it's like a visible frustration because again you're an artist like you want people like you know you're sensitive about your shit <laughs> Um, and then, like, the, the fans were kind of pissed. Like, the OG fans were pissed because they were priced out of the venue. It was just, like, a weird situation overall. And, again, it's, like, smaller venues, so not everybody can attend. And the people who want to attend were the people who, like, want to get that 15 seconds of hook for TikTok. Yep. And it's the idea is they're paying for an experience. So, ultimately, they're there to kind of have that moment and record and everything else. And, you know, ideally... And I'm not going to diss anybody who spends money because obviously it's putting money in the part in the part in the pocket of the artist and unfortunately some of the bootleggers and you know scalpers for the story, but you know ideally kind of get I don't really disparage anybody for experience expecting a certain experience. That said, it is a live show. You're seeing an artist. You know there has to be a certain level of trust there, and I I think it's you know what kind of sucks about this is the idea of where you know if you're touring. You know, you you get your bad gigs. You know, you're, you're up and coming artist. Sometimes shit ain't hitting. I've read stories about you know artists who are actually you know more established, but some of them shit don't really work right. I remember fucking I saw Rage Against the Machine years ago before this current tour. Ironically enough, and he and he hurt his leg, so the crowd is like booing him and getting mad and shit. Like you know, shit happens. You know, ideally anybody who's going on stage you know it could go either way. Even if you're on top of your game, sometimes she gets fucked up, and that's about it. I think the issue here, though, was the expectation where, you know, Steve's going out there, you know, trying to do his best, give a show, what, he, what anybody would expect. Like you said, it's a relatively small venue type show. And you've got all these people who paid a lot of money to show up and hear that one awesome song and pay for an experience. You know, do you want to see like, you know, the lyrics on screen? They want to see fucking flying balloons and pink shit. They want to make it very, you know, for the gram, a lot more very Instagramable moments, apparently. And they're going to get that. They're going to get an artist kind of performing who's professional artist. Somebody who's been, you know, he's been eating off the shit literally for like probably fucking seven years or so. So I kind of get what's happening there. I, 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 I think it's kind of fascinating just because you've got two things here. You've got these kids who I think hopefully as they grow up and get a little older to kind of respect what happens to those live venues. And you also have a Steve Lacey, I guess, kind of brushing into the idea of where, you know, who's thankfully his career has been relatively below the cut. You know, the internet is a very popular band, but very R&B, very focused on a certain kind of niche level of soul music. You know, he's a songwriter, but he's a songwriter for people like fucking, you know, Vampire Weekend. He's not writing Rihanna tracks that we know of. Maybe he'd be on a new album. You know, Maybe. his level of uh, his level of uh, fame is definitely manageable. You know, nobody's going to like bum much Steve Lacey at a Starbucks. But like, now it's kind of fascinating because he's kind of hit that level. And I remember I put it in a note, so it reminds me a lot of Frank Ocean, where I think a lot of the reason why Frank Ocean is kind of moving the way he does is because, you know, at a certain point, it was all about Frank Ocean. It's Frank Ocean's doing this, you know, second coming of Kurt Cobain, his tour, you know, he's a queer icon and this and that. And it's like, at a certain point, I'm pretty sure it was also like, nigga, I just want to make fucking music. Like, that's all I want to do. Yeah. I just want to yeah. go in the studio, make some shit out, you know, hang out and have a most of my boys. That's about it. And I, and I think that it's kind of fascinating because you look at somebody like, you know, Frank Ocean, where, you know, in his own way, he's still trying to be an artist. He's got a new Apple Music show coming out. Like, I think he debuted this weekend. You know, he's doing jewelry. He's doing all these corners where it feels like, you know, he's almost making music, but not really. And, and I think that's the issue here is the fact of where I kind of get, as a fan, you go out there, pay your money, and you want to see a show. But ultimately... You know, seeing that show, you have to trust that artist to give you that show. You have to give them a certain level of faith, a certain level of gratitude. Because, you know, like you said, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. Quote Erica Badu. And I think it's kind of unfortunate. It's not unexpected. Like, I don't think I was saddened by the news. I wasn't surprised, per se. I kind of found it a little comical. But, you know, at the end of the day, we kind of have to do better. And I I think those kids are going to regret it. You know what I'm saying? And it kind of sucks. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, as long as he still got paid. You know what I'm saying? That's all that matters. I, I, I will say this, though. I, I Look, so as a fan, I've gone to see artists, especially artists that maybe had one hit from my childhood. And I do want to hear that one hit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, 
I, I, I've, I've been around a lot of artists who like, they hate playing that one song. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's literally a song they created in 15 minutes and like it blew up, but like, you know, they're way more passionate about like the songs that nobody, nobody likes. <laughs> so like, you know, they, they'll play that one song at the end or an encore or like whatever. Cause like they know it's a crowd pleaser, but you know, you want to listen to the other half of my shit, you know? Um, so I understand like both sides of the argument, you know, like I, I remember I, I saw like Jody Watley and like the Jody Watley hit was in a montage of hits because she wanted to play her new shit. And like everybody's kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's my favorite. The new shit. You know, <laughs> I've so, seen, I mean, yeah. Because my ahead. thing is, I love, I love, you know, because I'll see artists over and over again. So I've seen artists where it's like, all right, bam, drop that record. They show up, they play the hits from that record. Crowd, ah! They play some of the album cuts, mediocre. We're gonna play our, we have a new album coming out. We're gonna play some new shit. Complete silence, ignoring them. Phone time, bathroom time. Fast forward yeah. a year from now, and it's just like, oh my god, these are my songs. <laughs> and like, I guarantee you, there's some asshole kid somewhere. Who saw like Frank Ocean right before a channel like fucking Orange dropped? Who like heard like fucking you know like all these fucking awesome songs and shit? But they were like, I'm just here for Novocaine. I'm just here for Novocaine. And then they were mad the whole time in their phone. They yeah. play he played Novocaine and they threw a phone for like a drink at him and walked out of the fucking venue. You know what I'm saying? And but you know, 20 years from now, they'd be like, I saw Frank Ocean live and claimed the way it is. It's like. Ideally, in that kind of medium, you have to kind of trust the artist because, you know, generally, I, I would make an argument that, you know, unless you're seeing some weird performance art shit, they're trying to they're trying to do right by you. I've never seen an artist willfully tank their show. No, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, it's like, it's like a weird thing as an artist where you, you want to create this intimate experience, but you also have to please the crowd, right? Yeah. And it's like a weird balance you have to kind of strike. Um, and, it, 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 I, you know, a lot of times, like, artists don't get it right. Like, a lot of times, like, artists are really sick and tired of playing that one song, you know, for X amount of years. Like, so I, I, I can't be mad at that. So, anyway, wish Steve Lacey luck. Like, I mean, I guess get the bag, <laughs> at least. <laughs> <laughs> get know, the bag and run. Yeah, you know, it's like, look, like, not everybody can get the bag. Like, enjoy enjoy the moment. Uh, <laughs> and, and again, like, hopefully some of these TikTok fans could be, like, actually real fans, like, in the long run. Hopefully. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, they're, they're all going to be bragging about, I saw Steve Lacey 2022 before he dropped his magnum opus in 2007. But anyway, our favorite point, new music. New music. Um, this one is going to be a little different. Um, sadly enough, Quavo and Takeoff dropped a record, a solo record. Right now, there's, um, there's a little acrimonious things happening with Finmigos. Um, there was a Drink Champs, Drink, uh, Drink Champs episode recently, about a week ago, where basically they kind of said, yeah, you know, we're not getting along, but at the end of the day, we're family and we'll see what the future holds. So as a result, they dropped a dual record. It's, I think it's might be the, I don't drop the EP, I believe, or a mixtape. Um, only built for Infinity Links. Um, me and Still kind of happened to give it a listen to relatively recently. Um, I guess also after a review, since I kind of jumped in there. Apologies. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, what I found fascinating is that somebody who's like me goes for a minute, you know, since Versace, they've had these cycles of where, you know, they're really on it. They're really kind of putting music out there. They're kind of focused. And then they'll kind of fall into a lull, which a lot of artists do. You see that future, you know, Gucci Mane, Lord knows over his mixtapes. You see kind of highs and lows where he sounds inspired or bored. Um, Infinity Links felt like a kind of a return to form where I, I, I'm I not going to say it's perhaps as good as the Migos High, but you could tell that they were very, very, very hungry and there were a lot of interesting things happening there. And, uh, you know, because ideally, you know, you hear about a group breaking off and yada, 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 you expect some self-indulgent shit, but... Ideally, this was a record that felt like at the end of the day were really, really for the fans. Yeah, no, it's it's a very intriguing Migos or you know record. I mean, I'm calling it a Migos record because it kind of is a Migos record, but it's a very it's a, 
it's a throwback record, right? Like, like the fact that they, you know, call it, you know, it's only built for Cuban links, only built for Infinity links. Um, there's like outcast like samples. Um, it, it, it felt like it was very, it was like really interesting, you know, like like to the point where, you know, you have this group or like these two members of a group that I think quote-unquote real hip-hop kind of despises sometimes and i'm guilty of that sometimes but like this this like they have this this kind of homage to that era of hip-hop um with the title you know with like the outcast sample um you know just uh, with some of like the 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 you know like the, the lyrics and things like that it's like kind of like this is like a weird tribute to quote unquote classic hip hop done by dude and, and not saying like it's it's like a boom bap album <laughs> you know it's not like Denzel Curry going and like <laughs> making a boom bap album it's just kind of like hey we have this idea and you know we're going to like pay homage but we're also going to have like you know a, a, a track like integration <laughs> You know, which is like I, I uh, what is it like? I it's like I got white diamonds but black something. I'm not like, racist, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Classic so Migos like, ignorance. Classic like, Versace era like, Migos ignorance. Yeah, like 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 you still will have that, but you also will have like kind of like these nods and hat tips to like in throwbacks, which is really interesting. Um, and, and you know, I keep calling it Amigos record. You know, it, it's not technically Amigos record, but um, in terms of like you know some of the Amigos work. Um, this is like a really solid album. I, I think the, the production solid. Um, you know, look again. R.I.P. Takeoff. There's been debates around Takeoff being the best Migos, the best Migo. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, like Offset maybe being the weakest link. <laughs> I, I, you know, I kind of see it. You know, I, I do think like you know Quavo and Takeoff being you know like like. I don't know, like they kind of like really gelled and they kind of really bounced off each other and um, they, they, I don't know, like it, it didn't feel like, it felt like an Amigos album, but in a, a weird way, like, you know, I would even say this is like kind of the perfect Amigos album to me. Um, not a lot of skips, I feel, whereas like some Amigos albums, I feel like there's a lot of skips. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was a really solid, solid project and it's just really sad now. So it's a post-human, you know, uh, a, a post-humanist project, right? It's, 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 it's kind of like in this weird, it's like Mac Miller swimming and like all these other like projects now yeah. where it's kind of like, it has a different take now. It, 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 it definitely, you know, as they say, hits different. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's and and it's kind of like you know, I mean, you you don't ever. I don't want to go like, oh, what what a way to go out. It's on on a high note per se, as if it's like the end of a stage show. But I mean, ideally, this is a showcase of what made him great, what made the Migos great. You know, ideally, even without you know Offset, you have the same team producer, same song style. I did it sound hungry. Obviously, I'm assuming so because you know they want to show that they can kind of do it as a duo as opposed to a three member group. And I think that their their highs really require really require all three guys to be on point in the paint. But like I said, it's like you know I can't really be mad here because like you know it's uncut Migos. Like the beats here, song concepts sound like shit that came literally from like 2013, 2014, 2015. Like you know, and like I said, it hits. It's something where it showed you how vibrant the group was, how these guys, even though they're ten years in the game plus probably that uh you know they're still able to compete with your young dudes and, and i think that's the tragedy and the victory here where you know unfortunately we have to look at it a little differently because you know one of the creative people involved with it died but at the same time it showed that you know even nine years later in the game after the biggest hits they were still able to drop really dope ass shit so you know props to both of them you know like, like we've been saying rest in peace yeah no definitely and, and hopefully like uh you know quavo and offset and like men fences um, and maybe there's like a only built for Infinity Links too, 
you know, in, yeah. in, in the future here. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, Steven, you up next, Mr. Smino. Smino, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll talk on this briefly. Um, you know, Smino has been a very interesting rapper. Where I actually was having this conversation today. It's like a weird thing where he exists outside of like, because uh, my friend was like, "Is he like signed to like TDE or is he signed to like Dreamville or is he signed?" And I'm like. I don't think he signed any like he, I don't think he reps like any of those like <laughs> yeah collectives <laughs> you know he's just out here um but yeah no, I, I so love for rent is his latest album uh Spino, Spino has been on my radio for a long time um I'm not going to speak too deeply in the album because I only gave it like maybe a, a pass and a half but it's definitely his I would say you know he's been in and out of the game for a while he has like you know some albums and mixtapes um, I definitely say it's his most cohesive work um, in terms of just like you can tell there's a vision there you can tell there's like kind of like a co- cohesiveness um, and the production is really good I, I don't know who's working on the production but like I think like you know just like uh, was it like 40 ounce and a couple other like it just like oh 90 proof sorry 90 proof with j cole like uh manatee i i feel like there's like really good like hip-hop songs here um but i also think they, like he's kind of like playing around with different things he has fat man scoop on a song who apparently is like big in europe he like lives in europe really yeah. awesome good for him yeah um, you know, like, 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 there's a little like creativity that's happening with this album where it's kind of like it's not, it's not like your typical kind of like I'm just gonna make a hip hop album. I, I definitely feel like he had a vision here, so um, I will give it more spins, but I would definitely say like it's one of the most impressive hip hop albums of the year so far for me. Um, maybe it'll land bold. like you know, like in my top 10, we'll see, but like. On the first listen, I'm like, wow, this is like this. This dude is doing something. So um, definitely check it out. Shit, I put up, I put it on my list. Um, on my end, I wanted to talk about Show Me the Body. Show Me the Body is a punk band based in New York, based in Queens. Um, they're kind of a little bit on the interesting stroke shit, where effectively the members, the two main members, met in private school. Um, I believe one of the members' names is Pratt. And that apparently refers to the actual college Pratt. Yeah. Um, so it kind of tells you the kind of lineage there. That said, they're extremely focused. Like, if, if Anthony the theme of this band, anti-gentrification. Their one rallying cry is the fact of where New York is changing and, you know, culture is dying and people, poor people are getting locked out. Which you'd make an argument, some of the strokes, that, hey, what do you guys know about, you know, the Lower East Side? What do you guys know about, like, the gritty New York City? But I want to give them their props. They put their money where their mouth is. When I've seen Show Me The Body, it's a very diverse bill. It's a very diverse bill with a lot of underground rappers, a lot of POCs. You know, it's not your white punk show. Whenever I go on to see them live, it's extremely diverse. You know, they, they know what they're doing and they, they, they talk the talk and they walk the walk at the same time. Um, so again, you know, you've got these punks railing against fucking gentrification. You've got these diverse crowds that understand what's happening and how they're being priced and pushed out. So be synergy there. Um, they've got a small following. They call themselves Corpus. They, they had a Red Bull shot class apparently, and they were one of the members in it. Actually, small fact. So they've got like a little small like following here. I think the big issue for me overall is, well, I like what they're doing. And I've liked a lot of their records. I've never loved them. I felt like, you know, they've got the chance, they've got the ideas, they've got what's happening, I guess, theme-wise. But if, for me, it was never really the music, per se. Um, the main songwriter plays the banjo. It's distorted, goes with guitar pedals, so that way it sounds more like a guitar. But it kind of tells you kind of like the space they're playing with where I won't say the music is an afterthought, but as far as, let's say, you know, when you're listening to it, they aren't giving you guitar riffs. They aren't giving you this crazy experimentation. It's this very kind of straight-ahead punk. 
The last record before this had a final track where it sounded like almost like this fucked up loop, whereas it's almost like these like dying synths that sound like basically like a Nintendo getting beat up, and they kind of built a song around that. And I have a sinking suspicion that you know live when I saw them, the song was very hitting, and it feels like that sound was a pivot for what they would make this record out of. Don't get me wrong, seven guitars, drums, you know, basically your regular punk shit. But at the same time, there's definitely an underplay there, which kind of has like this more experimentation with like electronic instrumentals. But it's not like, let's say, some Nine Inch Nails shit. It's actually these weird textures going on under it all. It feels like the songwriting's gotten a little better. And as a result, I feel like with this record, they kind of hit the point of where, you know, they've got the fucking, they've got the idea of what you know, the music they want to make, they've got the themes, they've kind of created a space where they're kind of doing what they want to do and kind of showing that, hey, you know, this is a part of New York we want to lose. They're putting people on, but it's never had the music. And I feel like it's the first time with this record, Trouble in the Water, where they kind of have music. So, you know, props to them. Word. I, again, you you need to be this band's PR. Like. <laughs> I was hating them. I was like, they were, they were rich boys front like, like a punk band. But no, like, like I said... I one day like hating and I was like, oh shit, because I remember I saw them one time and it was just like, you know, it was just, you know, a lot of, it looked like a baritone ad of people moshing. I was looking at the side of the stage and you had your usual ladies there, but it was like not the usual ladies you would see. There's like a wide variety of like artists there. It was just very, it felt like, because their big thing is the fact that they call themselves corporates, they call it like basically like collective. And like I said, it's overall, there could be rich assholes about it, but you know, again, I don't know the money situation, but I do know their, their parental situation. But, like, at the same time, nah, they, they're, like, trying to, they're serious about their stuff. Like, they have a tour getting booked, and I remember their specific acts, but I was like, yeah, this makes sense. Whereas, like, a lot of dudes getting put on there, you know, they don't shy away from underground hip-hop. I think, and I could be wrong, when I saw them open one time, I think fucking, I think it was, uh, shit, who opened up for them? Pink Sifu, I think, was one of the openers. Oh, word. Like, it's like they know their shit. Like, it's like, yeah. at the end of the day, like, I, I like everything they're doing. It's just the fact of where the records weren't for me. That said, certain black men of a certain age, maybe it's not for me. But, like I said, this time I, was, I get it. You know, a lot of the experimental ideas they have going here, you know, as far as theme is concerned, as far as who they do music with, it's kind of finally showing up in the music. So, props to them. Yeah, that's what's, that's what's up. Hmm? And then, uh, that's about it. Um, I know we began on a dark note, uh, but I do want to say that, you know, all things considered, you know, it kind of shows you just how, like, life is short and life is fleeting. And, you know, while you're around, live it to your best. Say what's up to your loved ones. Take care of your people. Take care of other people. Because, you know, karma comes around positive and negative. And that's it. We love you all. Peace. Peace.